Welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to Alka Ramchandani Raj, co-chair of Littler's Workplace Safety and Health Practice Group, about the emergence of monkeypox and what it means for workplace safety. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Alka Ramchandani Raj, co-chair of Littler's Workplace Safety and Health Practice Group. Welcome, Alka. Thank you, Jay. Pleasure to be here. Uh, great to have you here, and I was wondering if we could start off by having you uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do at Littler. Sure. Um, so I am co-chair of our Occupational Safety and Health Group. Um, I am an employment generalist uh, by, by trade uh, and was lucky enough to uh, start doing some occupational safety and health work early on in my career, so I've specialized in that area. Um, but I'm a shareholder here, um, and I get the opportunity to work with some great people here at Littler. Um, I early on uh, became a communicable disease uh, kind of specialist through advising employers at with different communicable diseases pre-COVID. Um, so it was natural to kind of uh, come back, and I started our uh, task force for COVID in 2020. Um, and have been leading some of our uh, some of our stuff with monkeypox um, and other issues that are coming up uh, right now. Excellent. Um, so, how has the response to the monkeypox outbreak compared to what we went through with COVID in 2020? Well, I think it's less concerning for most employers as it currently stands right now. And the reason I say that is because based on what we've read from the CDC, this is not an aerosol transmissible disease as of yet, um, or they haven't determined that it is. So that means that the type of exposure that they're seeing in the workforce is a little bit different. It, there needs to be direct contact um, in most situations, which means that you know people need to share drinks, people need to share utensils, um, there needs to be a lot of exposure on items, um, and it's not just transmissible by touch. There actually has to be quite a bit of, of exposure. I also think that because a lot of employers still have COVID protocols in place, including health screenings uh, and things of that sort, or policies that tell employees not to come to work when they're sick, it is actually limiting um, employees that are in the workplace that may be having monkeypox because some of those um, similar symptoms are uh, restricting people from coming into the workplace. So it hasn't been as concerning as of late um, compared to what we see with COVID. Uh, for folks who aren't super familiar with monkeypox, what are the symptoms that, uh, you know, should be looking for? So, you know, really there are a lot of similar symptoms with, uh, similar to COVID, I should say, um, in the sense that, you know, we have um, things like um, sinus issues, cold, cough. Um, eventually we see these type of blisters that appear um, on, on people. And those blisters can be in various different parts of the body. Um, the blisters are kind of separate from COVID symptoms, but a lot of the other symptoms that we see, fever, colds, cough, those are very similar to COVID-related symptoms. Um, are there any concerns about this kind of uh, becoming more of a, 
of a problem. Obviously, you know, there have been some states that have, uh, call, you know, called it a, uh, a healthcare emergency or a public health emergency. Um, you know, is there a concern from, I guess, your standpoint that this is going to kind of ramp up into something more serious? It can. Um, plausibly, uh, from the public health standpoint, absolutely. Um, because, you know, people are routining, uh, are going back to routine life. You know, COVID um, limitations are not as prevalent right now as they used to be, um, even a few months ago. Um, you know, people are vaccinated from COVID, so people are going out and people are, um, you know, meeting people again. People are going out and socializing again. Mm -hmm. And so from a public health standpoint, yes, it can be concerning. From a workplace standpoint, under OSHA, we still have some limitations that we have to keep in mind. We still have to keep our workplace um, health, you know, health scare free, hazard free. And so from, from that standpoint, for monkeypox to actually develop into something more significant um, in like general workspaces like offices um, and um, manufacturing facilities, probably unlikely. Could we see some issues from the healthcare side, um, you know, in healthcare or in assistive living and those type of facilities? Yes. So there are some facilities that I think have to put this on the radar. They should be a little bit more careful. Um, but there are definitely other facilities that we don't think are going to be as directly impacted. Uh, does it help that, uh, you know, obviously a lot of the symptoms, as you mentioned, are kind of similar to COVID and sort of, you know, uh, almost like cold related, but uh, the fact that people, you know, are paying a lot, are a little more attuned to noticing symptoms, you know, in themselves and in their coworkers, uh, you know, does that help now to sort of limit the spread? Because, you know, I think people are more likely to either stay home or to, you know, at least sort of tell somebody else to stay home. Yes, I do think that is a, a big, um, a big factor here, right? Employers are still required to tell employees, if you've got a fever, you know, you're extremely fatigued for whatever reason, you're having problems um, with cough, or you've got uh, significant sinus issues um, that are not related to allergies and things of that sort, stay home. And a lot of employers have implemented these type of processes where they discipline employees if they violate any of those conditions. And I think that is a big factor in deterring employees from coming into work um, when they're sick. In addition to the fact that we've got a lot of employees who are in the workplace that are very conscientious of other people yeah. that are ill and they will report them to HR or take um, you know, some kind of steps. Some employees even go up to other people and say, you've been coughing or you seem like you're sick. Are you sure you should be here? Employers kind of have to be a little bit careful about some of that um, because, of course, we don't want to see that there's any type of discrimination that takes place or any type of retaliation that takes place or even bullying um, that can kind of some some things can kind of be seen as bullying in the workplace. So there are some balancing factors that employers need to kind of undergo with a lot of these situations. For instance, someone who may have allergies maybe coming into the workplace may have those same indicators. So employers still have to be conscientious about those things. But generally, because we have all these things, we've taught our employees 
to watch out for these signs and symptoms. And we do have um, enforcement uh, for employees that you know fail to comply with health screenings. In those situations, we're able to kind of have a little bit more control, and that's helping us with monkeypox in the workplace. Yeah, and I think you know certainly pre-COVID, people were definitely you know a lot of people had a tendency to just come in anyways if they were you know if they had a big project or something even if they had a cold and they'd be in the office coughing or sneezing and i think the you know post covid or you know wherever you whatever you call what we're in now um people are less likely to do that not just because of their own uh you know conscientiousness but because other people would get upset in the uh, in the office absolutely i think um people are very sensitive to it still um, and sensitive to illness down the workplace. And, you know, we have a lot to see about other type of illnesses that are gonna be coming down in the future. Like when we really get waves of the flu back, right? Mm -hmm. um, people were much more tolerant about coming in when they had some symptoms of the flu. Now I think people are gonna think twice before doing so. Um, has there been, I know that the monkeypox vaccine is, uh, definitely in limited supply right now. Has there been any talk of, uh, you know, employers encouraging vaccinations or is it not risen to that level yet? Well, it's hard to encourage vaccinations for this condition, right? Because the way these vaccinations are being provided um, are under pretty strict grounds. And a lot of the grounds that they're, that the requirement kind of discusses is stuff that to a certain extent employers should not necessarily talk about with their employees right um in fact one of them is you know uh with the vaccine if someone is prone to have unsafe sex on multiple occasions um and that's not a topic that i think employers should necessarily talk about with their employees so there is some concerns about telling employees, hey, we're gonna encourage this vaccine um, to people because is that an indication of what they think that employees are doing off work, um, depending on how that messaging goes out. Um, what I think the messaging has to be is follow your doctor's um, advice. If your doctor is telling you that you should go get the vaccine, that you qualify for it, you should definitely think about possibly pursuing it. So I really think it's something that, um, you know, an employer can provide some kind of guidance um, as to monkeypox, especially if they have employees that are concerned about it. Um, and in that advice, they should say, you know, definitely talk to your healthcare um, advisor and, and make a determination if it's right for you to get the vaccine or not. Um, but necessarily telling employees, hey, you know, you guys should go get this vaccine I don't necessarily think right. that employers should should go down that road yet. Yeah. Um, given the fact that, you know, it seems like, you know, there are more uh, infectious disease outbreaks and more you know, serious ones that are emerging almost every day. Uh, is there a sort of a, is there a sort of general advice that you would give to employers in terms of, you know, sort of how to keep, uh, keep up to date and keep, you know, sort of, uh, Know, how to deal with sort of these these considerations i mean we, you know with, with between the different uh strains of, of covid monkeypox the flu and, and and you know who knows what else down the road uh i imagine that's a lot 
for, uh, you know, a company to kind of keep up with? I think you've hit the hit it right on on the nail. Um, I think this is very hard for employers to keep up with, right? Uh, COVID itself, um, with all of the variables that employers had to deal with. Um, and right now we see a lot of employers that have operational exhaustion, right? They just don't want to deal with COVID anymore. They don't want to deal with anything else anymore. And so they're looking for a response to not deal with things. Um, but the truth is it's important to kind of keep in mind that things are still moving. You know, things are still moving from the occupational safety and health side. Things are still moving from the communicable disease side. It's important to kind of just keep an eye on it to see what's happening. Um, and if things do escalate, um, you hope that the right information is going to be filtered in. Um, we've seen some challenges with how the information is filtered in, right? Because the CDC publishes different things and sometimes it's easy to access it and sometimes it's not as easy to access it. And so sometimes it's a little challenging. Um, but, you know, employers generally should keep in touch with their attorneys. Like one of the things that we do to help our employers is make sure that when something comes up, we immediately um, issue an ASAP or an insight on the issue. Um, and we try to justify when it's something that's an important talking point. So um, sometimes, you know, people issue everything that's happening. And that's one thing. Usually when we try to issue something like an insight, we're really talking about something that now is an issue that employers should turn their attention to. Um, and not just flooding them with information that may not have any relevance at, at certain points in time. So, um, you know, keeping in touch with different blogs, trying to follow what attorneys are guiding um, employers on, that's a great way to kind of keep in touch because we have a lot of resources that are keeping eyes on these issues as they're moving. Um, and sometimes that's the best way to, to keep up to date because it's impossible to go through CDC's website all the time or go through OSHA's website all the yeah. time or any of these other websites and try to decipher what's happening. Yeah, it's not always clear, you know, I mean, I guess, like you said, it's some, sometimes it's more technical than other times. So you don't always know exactly what you need to do just looking at, you know, whatever they just put out. Absolutely. Like monkeypox is a perfect example, right? Um, we hear a state of emergency and a lot of people get very concerned about it. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, what impact does that have on your workplace? Um, and it depends. It depends on what the condition is and how it's going to affect and who's in your workplace. Um, you know, if you've got a healthcare setting, it's going to be vastly different yeah. than if you have a general industry setting. So um, all those factors go into play. Um, wanted to ask you quickly about remote work. I mean, obviously we're, you know, two and a half years into, you know, post COVID, since COVID first emerged and some companies, including mine, uh, still haven't returned to the office. Um, you know, what sense do you have of, of sort of where that is, you know, in, in general and, and, you know, do you see remote work uh, as something that's going to, you know, be here to stay? I do think to a certain degree it's going to be here to stay because so long as we have 
these type of communicable diseases that are out there, there are going to be people that are concerned about returning back to work. And I think to have a functional workplace, some employers are going to have to be tolerant about allowing that remote to work option. I also think some employers have just adopted return to work options in general. And so when you've got employers that are providing it, um, those employers that don't provide it sometimes are at a disadvantage because those employees that want to work remote, if they are good employees, um, they may jump ship and say, I would rather work for a company that's full remote. So I think that there's some balancing factors that employers need to think about. Um, I think they really need to evaluate what their workforce is like. I think they need to evaluate whether they think people are effective and efficient when they're working from home. And possibly in those situations, if um, you know they want people to return back to the work site, um, they have to make those uh, make those decisions about what concessions they're willing to make about their workforce in those situations because some people may jump ship. Um, I think it's it's helped a lot of young women, um, specifically who have kids at home. Um, you know, it uh, it limits their. I mean, they can spend time with their kids at lunch. Possibly, they can spend times. It takes less time getting back into between work and home so that they can make dinner for their kids. They can, you know, maybe take a 15 minute break and go pick them up from school. So there's a lot of different factors that are really motivating um, people to um, to remote work. And I think all those things have to be taken into consideration by the employer to make a decision about what type of workforce they want. Definitely. Well, Alka, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great. Absolutely. A pleasure speaking with you, Jay. All right. Thanks. That wraps up episode 123 of EHS on Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time.